Right, uh, in this new series, Mega Epic, we're trying to uh, understand the whole story of God and humanity from beginning to end. It's going to take a while, probably uh, well into next year. Are you ready to go? Now, where are the fanatics? Come on. Are you ready to go? Yes. Cool. I thought I was the only sane I mean, no. Um, okay, let's start in Matthew 4, actually, so you could flip forward to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, the epic story of humanity is really, of course, a story about Jesus Christ. So let's start with him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. He was hungry and he was tempted. So tonight, let's look at the epic theme of hunger and temptation. Sound good? Now, anytime you see a number in the scriptures, like circle this 40 days and 40 nights here. I mean, Matthew is telling us a story, but he throws in a number. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, okay, there's this number. Now, that's not random. So what does this number mean, this 40? In the Hebrew mindset especially, Numbers are unbelievably significant. So you wouldn't just throw in a 40 here or there. To the Hebrew people, um, this meant something. And the story here, they're saying, is about something else. So these writers want us to understand the story of Jesus, but they want us to see Jesus doing something which is much bigger, is part of a much bigger story. So Jesus is in the wilderness and he's gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights, but the writer here wants to alert us to a larger story. So this isn't just about Jesus being hungry or being tempted. There's something big going on here. Now let's turn to Genesis 1. It's to the left. The Bible, chapter 1, page 1. Genesis 1 lays down the foundations. Genesis 1 and verse 27, it reaches its zenith, its high point. Genesis 1:27. so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were created to be like God at the very beginning, to be God-like, to reflect his glory as his image. That's what the image means. We're going to display his glory, show the world, show the creation what he is like. Then verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, now this word blessing in this passage has a deep, deep meaning. It's really God's love being declared. He loves us. It's God's favor. It's God's affirmation. You're special to me, you human beings. But it's also God's empowering. I am with you in this task of reflecting my glory in the creation. I'm going to make it possible for you. So blessing is empowering. Blessing is I bless you so you can do it. I'm behind you in it. So blessing is dynamic. It's going to happen because I'm standing right behind you as you do it. I bless you. I empower you. So this word, this blessing is placed on these human beings. Everything's great. And the story begins with people in harmony with their creator. God blesses them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. The word subdue means to steward, to lovingly care for and to creatively order. It's never to exploit for our own consumption. It's to care for it and guide it 
in ways that show God's glory, which is the whole point of being in the image of God. And he says, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God blesses these people and he says, rule the world in a way that reflects my glory. Uh, Order and manage the world. Don't exploit the world. Care for it. Don't abuse it. And your job is to fill the world with God-glorifying children and a God-glorifying culture as you create and make and write songs and do things. It's all going to express who I am. And these people, as the story begins, are blessed by God and given a holy task and a calling to be his image, to co-rule with him. You're loved, you belong, you have immeasurable worth. Now go and be and do everything you were created to go and be and do. This is how the scriptures begin. And then, notice chapter 3, immediately the tempter comes and they are tested. Now God has given human beings freedom. They can choose to take part or to not. They can choose to stay within this blessing that God has given them. They can choose to take part in this task of ordering and shaping creation in God kinds of ways or they can rebel and do their own thing. What God wants us to do isn't that interesting. I'd rather do my own thing. So this tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is placed in the Garden of Eden is symbolic of their ability to simply do their own thing, to live contrary to the word that God has spoken over them, this word of blessing. And then verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Now this is not the kind of wisdom that you and I long for. It's not discernment. It's not godly intelligence. This is when she saw that she could find a whole world outside of God's word, that looked good to her. And so she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And humanity falls into evil, which is the story we know so well. So the Bible begins with the first humans having a word of blessing spoken over them. And they're given a holy task by God to co-rule in this beautiful world that God has made, to be his image. And immediately they face temptation. And they're tempted to not trust God's word spoken over them, to not trust this word of blessing that they've been given, and to choose a reality which is outside of God's word and his blessing. And they give in to temptation and become hungry for something outside of the blessing that God had given them and the whole project of creation begins to fall apart. Now, turn to Exodus 15. The story of the scriptures is the story of a God who does not give up on people. Okay, this thing with Adam and Eve fell apart. They ended up wearing fig leaves. Okay, let's try again. So God takes these Hebrew slaves in Egypt and he rescues them for the purpose of creating a new kind of humanity, a kind of people who will once again live in harmony with God. And so he blesses them and he calls them and he says to them, you'll be my treasured possession and you'll show the world what I'm like. Sound familiar? Exodus 15 verse 19, when Pharaoh's horses, and Pharaoh was the Egyptian ruler who owned these slaves, when Pharaoh's horses, chariots and horsemen went into the sea, 
which means that Pharaoh no longer owns them. They're freed from him and his hold over them. When the horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. So the Israelites came through water. Having had a word of blessing spoken over them, they're now free in their new life. But Exodus 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, and these were the people who had this word of blessing spoken over them. They were given this holy task to be displaying God in the world, but they say, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And there they sat around pots of meat and ate all the food they wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So the Israelites grumble and complain. (laughs) They just don't get it. Uh, God has miraculously rescued them after bringing them through water. He's spoken to them and said, you're my people. I'll take care of you. But they miss it. They do not understand. They're grumblers. They're complainers. They're whingers. And it all centers on their hunger. Adam and Eve in this beautiful garden, they have everything they need. They have a blessing. They have a task. But what happens is they're pulled off track by the tempter. The tempter who arouses their hunger for something that is outside of God's word. In the wilderness, Israel again has a blessing spoken over them. They have a sacred task, but they're pulled off track by the tempter, by their hunger. Turn to Deuteronomy 8. Now later their leader Moses is reflecting on this. Uh, There's this massive problem in humanity. We have been called to such a high and noble task but we keep getting pulled off track into disaster and death. And at the centre of the temptation we face, often it's our hunger, our needs, our desires. And through that we fail to trust God's word. So Deuteronomy 8, Moses is reflecting on this story of the Israelites, which is the story of Adam and Eve, which is the story of all humanity, which is our story. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today God's commands, his word. That's what matters. So that you may live and increase and may enter and and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. So, okay, once again, 40 years. So they wander in the wilderness for 40 years to humble and test. It's another uh, word to underline to humble and test you for 40 years in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. In other words, the big issue, according to Moses is, and the big issue of all of humanity is, the same issue as Adam and Eve faced and the same issue that Israel faced is, will we trust what God has spoken to us? And he continues, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that a man, that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. To teach you that people, they don't live on bread alone <laughs> but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the simple idea right through this history is there is no real life outside of God's word. 
God's word is the source of all life, the source of all blessing. And real life is not just about getting physical needs taken care of, satisfying our hunger for food or anything like that. There is another dimension that God wants to give us. He promised, he's been promising from the beginning, this life that can only come through his word as we follow his word. So life isn't just being well fed. It's not just our needs being met. No, God has promised to give us life to the full, the life he always created us for, the life of Genesis chapter 1, but we need to obey him. We need to trust his word. And human beings don't live on bread only, but on every word that God has declared to us. It's the word that brings life. Now, turn to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. We have Jesus. It says he's been 40 days in the wilderness. So right here, the first people who heard this story would have immediately said, hey, 40, wilderness. Well, that's about Israel. Jesus is back in familiar territory. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So it's the hot, fresh, baked bread temptation and it's really real when you haven't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. So the tempter comes to Jesus after 40 days in the wilderness and there's a temptation involving hunger. So immediately the first listeners of this would have, hey, this is about the failure of Israel to live up to their true calling. Hey, this, is, this goes right back to Adam and Eve. And their failure to live up to their calling. This is the story of all humanity. This is about humanity's failure throughout history to withstand temptation in the face of hunger and need and to trust God's word. So this interaction of Jesus is about the biggest possible story of humanity. And Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes the Deuteronomy story, which immediately connects him with the story of Israel. He's taken the Israelite story of leaving Egypt and he's essentially put it on his shoulders. And he said, they failed, but I won't. They were tested and didn't pass the test. I will. Because I understand that there is something else going on here. There's something that sustains me beyond the next meal. There's a God who created the universe and I trust him. And so I don't need to prove a thing. Now when Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, immediately I start asking, well he's quoting Deuteronomy, but is there anything else he's referring to? What is the word that comes from the mouth of God here. And if we read the next, the chapter before, chapter 3, all of a sudden we see what's going on.
the water. Yeah. So Jesus, no, the Red Sea. Yeah, Jesus has come through the water. The Israelites came through the sea. You see, this is the Exodus story all over again. They failed, but Jesus here is succeeding. And at that moment, heaven was opened, which is always good. And he saw the Spirit of God descending uh, like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So the voice of God speaks a blessing over Jesus. This is my Son. I love him. He has immeasurable worth. I'm pleased with him. I fully, unconditionally embrace him. He's my child. He's my boy. This is my son. And so Jesus is then tempted. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Well, that's the very thing that has just been spoken over him by God. That's the word of blessing that has been spoken to him. So the temptation isn't really about bread and stones. The temptation isn't really about Jesus' hunger. It's all about trust. Jesus, do you trust that the word that God has just said is true? Do you trust that God has called you to do this? Do you trust that you were made for this? Do you trust that God will make it possible for you to go through with this, that he's empowering you, blessing you, that the Spirit has come upon you to allow you, to enable you to do what you've been called to do as the Son of God. Do you trust this word of God? Do you trust that God loves you, that you really matter to him, that you're of immeasurable worth to him as God's Son? It's all about trust. Now, central to what it means to be a Christian is that God has spoken a word of blessing over each of us. And the phrase the scriptures use is, in Christ, every one of us has a calling to live a holy life. God has called us to be co-rulers, to be restored as his image in the world, to show the world what God is like, which was God's purpose from the beginning. His calling is that we are loved and valued. We have immeasurable worth in his eyes. And the question always throughout scripture in the epic story of God again and again is simply do we trust this? It says in 1 John that we are each a child of God. 1 Peter 1 that we're redeemed. Philippians 2 that we're united with Christ. Ephesians 2 that we're made alive, that we're raised up and that we're seated with Christ. That's Genesis 1 language. We have dominion, we have authority with Christ. We co-rule with Christ. We are the image of God now in the creation. That is who we are. The scriptures state over and over again the word of blessing that God declared to Adam and Eve that God declared again to Israel, that God declared to Jesus Christ, is now through Christ declared to us. And God has spoken a word over us of acceptance, of love, of purpose, of mission. Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Genesis 1, dominion. Now go and preach the gospel. Go into the world, make disciples of all nations. Fill the world with God-glorifying people. It's Genesis 1. We stand under the same word of blessing and it's over each one of us. So there is a true self in God's mind, a true identity 
that we have in Christ. And the invitation and the challenge is the same challenge as Adam and Eve faced, the same that Israel faced, the same that Jesus Christ faced. The challenge is to live as the people he insists that we are. And the story of history is of people like you and I, a word has come from the mouth of God. It's come blessing us, it's come calling us, and we're immediately tempted to not trust that word, to choose a different path. The tempter comes and tries to pull us off track and pull us down and he undermines God's good plan for humanity and he zones in on our hungers, our needs, our desires. He'll make something else, something outside of God's word, he'll make that look so enticing. He will work and deceive and play with us until we suddenly think, wow, that's fantastic over there. That thing that is outside of God's word, I need to have it. So there is our true self, there is our identity, who we truly are, who we were always created to be as human beings. And then there are all the ways that we are tempted to step outside of that because we're hungry. We have desires, we have needs. There is deprivation. We have issues. We have longings. And Satan is there, drawing our eyes away from the word, the word of blessing, into some alternative pseudo-blessing. But there is only one path that brings fulfilment. It's to trust his word, the word that brings life, and to live in the light of that word. You can put that next slide up, Warwick. So a few questions. What are you hungry for right now? And where are you looking to have those needs met? Next slide. Do you have any appetites, cravings, urges that are pulling you away from everything God has for you? Is that something that's going on for you right now? Well, next question is good. Do you have any tendencies to want to just escape or avoid or numb or indulge rather than live intentionally by God's word for you? Do you want, do you have any tendencies to want to just escape, to numb, to avoid or indulge? Now, we're not talking here about enjoyment of food and we're not talking about great music and we're not talking about our need to escape and get some fresh air and our need to escape into the bush sometimes. We're not talking about our patterns of rest or rhythms of uh, relaxation. We are talking about when we do something and we're only doing it because we don't want to deal with our calling. We're trying to avoid. We're trying to numb ourselves to what God is calling us to do. This is talking about what we do to indulge even though we know it's excessive and destructive and will take us off track and off course. Those particular websites or maybe it's not 
a particularly bad website. Maybe it's a great website, but you're spending more and more and more and more time on that website and or that hobby that's fantastic and it's a life-giving hobby, but more and more and more and more and more time. Or maybe it's that job, which is a great job and doing great things, but you're doing more and more and more and more and more with that job. And actually, what's really going on is that you are really avoiding your responsibilities. This noble, incredible call of God to be his image in the world, to display his glory, to make disciples, to be a display people for God. Are are we anything, anything in our lives which is some kind of device where we are enabling ourselves to opt out of God's high calling for us and his blessing? Is it some kind of drug use for you? And I guess my view on drugs is that uh, I think, you know, yeah, we have this high, incredible, noble, God-ordained purpose. And what what are drugs? It's just avoidance, really. And we're not being everything we were made to be. Is it alcohol? Is it money and the endless chasing after money? Do you have an urge, an appetite, an addiction, a craving, a lust, and you were made for something better. And you know it. In your guts, in your bones, you know it. This is not what you were created for. And your spirit wants to soar in all the things that God has for us. And the spirit is moving in you and you know you need to to leave it behind. Let it go. Not give in to that temptation. And Jesus has this word that is spoken over him. This is my son, with him I am well pleased. And the scriptures teach that every one of us, if we're in Christ, we are a child of God. And he is so pleased with us. Next slide, Warwick. Are you living in any way that contradicts your true self, your true calling? And you've been reborn in the spirit to be something better. An addiction, a craving, an appetite, a destructive pattern, a habit. Basically God challenges us to trust that we do not live by bread alone. And we do not live by all these things we think will satisfy us. There are far larger purposes for our lives. So it's not just about, you know, you shouldn't do this. Oh, it's bad if you do that. It's about, look, see the blessing. Understand the calling. What life could be. And the epic story of the Bible is really that story at many levels. We have a high calling as human beings and a destiny and we get tripped up and we get distracted by our hunger and desires. And what Jesus does when he says to the tempter, man doesn't live on bread alone, is that he succeeds 
where everyone else has failed. He stays true to his mission. He stays true to his calling. He takes the history of Israel and the history of all humanity on his back and he says, I'll take care of it. And he's totally, perfectly obedient to the very end, to the cross, and he offers on the cross that perfect life of full obedience. And he does it for us. So as a Christian, I I can't do it. I'm weak. I'm frail. I'm too vulnerable. I've, all these things get their hooks in me. And gee, it's hard to let go. But I need to run to the strength that is not mine. Is there any way you need to run to the strength of Jesus? It's Jesus who is strong in temptation. Jesus who stays true to his calling. Is it in your life, God, I have this this stuff that's bringing me down and I want to be everything that you have called me to be, but I need some intervention, I need some help. Is that your desperate cry tonight? Next slide. Maybe we need to constantly say to ourselves, I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Perhaps you've really messed up your life. So for you, your fundamental identity, you've begun to believe in something other than that you're a child of God, redeemed, made alive and recreated. You've begun to believe the lie that you are not that. So perhaps today you need to say to God, Father, I believe lies and I do not want to believe them anymore. And I have not trusted the word that comes from your mouth that says who you are and then says who you have made me to be through Christ. So maybe that's you. It's finally getting help. It's finally getting counselling. Finally owning up to I just cannot trust this incredible word. I find it so hard and maybe reaching out for help for others to support and pray with you and journey with you in that. Just saying to someone tonight, look, this is my issue. I cannot believe that I am an heir of creation and I have so much trouble living in that reality. And you know what? What happens when we say no to temptation? What happens when we do go to his strength and get the help we need? We grow. You know what? We slowly become all that he has created us to be. Do you know what that means? The blessing. The blessing was always that God would do what was necessary for this to happen. And he does it through temptation, firstly. We all face temptation. 
to help us grow, to help us trust him, to help us learn that we can draw all of life from his words and stand securely and firmly forever in him. That's the blessing. I'm going to make it happen. (laughs) I'm going to make you into a people who trust me and I'm going to do it through putting you through your paces. I'm going to allow the tempter in. I'm going to allow humanity to do battle with the devil. But he doesn't stop there. He then enters into history himself and takes all of that on his own shoulders so that we can then grow and develop as we take our stand, as we believe essentially the gospel. For that is what the word of blessing is, that we are children of God and that whatever we're hungry for, whatever we need, it's that word that we stand by. (laughs) It's that word that we understand in the end through all of our life, through all of history, through all of that we go through in the human race, at the end, through all that Jesus has done for us, at the very, very end, that's God's plan, are people who trust his word and who reflect his image in the creation. James is going to come and pray that through.